Ik heb een 
aangekoordes marinieren. Zou men haar tuin niet aan het leven met pepper en neer, dan een kort kroontje, dus schinnen haar, men raast haar wacht, dit roept ze peer, lacht ieder geschonnen, neuven, dus schonnen wil met die prien. Zou men haar tuin niet, dat ik haar maakjes tuin niet pepper en neer. Leven is veel meer voor hartig kajeder. Dus ga niet echt kist. Als je een kutje naar een jeer in je hart rolt of akkel, dan gaat het leven. Kutje was niet in een kleintje, niet in een levensje. Dan ga je lauwert, dan ga je schrijven, geleerd, kacht, weten. Ik heb een beetje gewerkt in de aardje, heb ik gezien aan de meegenomen. Dat er geen jeer in je hand aan de gegeven. Ik heb geen jeer in je hand aan de gegeven. Zo'n namen raakt het hier, schaalt en je hoeft maar haar er pijken uit haar gedaan te gretjes aan een neunje. Toch een graag kunnen teunen die je. Toch een achter gelukkig heb ik zo'n beetje die je waren. We laten een neunje terugdig naar een geel. Zo'n haar gezegd, het zult je wie naar een periaket hebben naar zijn hoog van een smoonaat. Er is eerst toe naar leven toe. Na hát a kará, ezt ha nyílik kést, na töntjön, na ha nyílik. Well, ha korrekt tőni, hogy tartálgan a sűn, mert ha áhtéki lehet sűn, nár pehéken át, arra ha korrekt tőni, hogy tartálgan, kövillám. Ezt ha korrekt tőni, hogy kisznak ő. Köté náhtja ha áhtéki nár pehéken. Ergens ik kies nog een gewil nekkelijke zandwijn. We gaan ulo, we de wie. Kus kredetjes, credibility. Aan gezicht daarom nog een waarakker in het kaal manier. Ach man, ik wil aan hem achter, ik wil triachter achter staan. Ik wil hem achter, ik wil dat. Er is begonnen nu niet honing, we kunnen nu. นั่นเนี่ยฮักฮักครูสกิลสกรีวิ่งเออสเจลเวสเทเลวิชันเออสเน็คเกนิทไวเลสยานะฮุลุชอฟะโปรแกรมเอเวเซสเนนิคินชิน
Kimmerhaat, Arabse, Gesinnes, Nunnisch, Warach, Estenille. 
Smargunje nach koge wie de melgaan. Ach haar pechlaan kan een jarapse gang zo. Jarapse trust. Immig tuf de weg is in de tunnel. Een verrache weer de schoen. En jarapse hij de goed letunje. Letunje aan de goed padanille. De duwe moet hier tegen. Samen niet genille. Samen niet genille. Zelfs nog had de jarapse tunje als lagen zo. Stochen en honsjes naar Groot. Die hebben je achter in de huur. Arabse kunnen je goed aan mijn nichten. Aan mijn nichten. Aan mijn hoog in je mond. Aan mijn hoog, aan mijn homes. Harapetten. Kovitianus wit. Zutianus ook. Achthanische schouwen naar de houtje gaan vieren. Beugelse leven, gediest, gediest. Maar hij mag ook dat doen. En dat je weer wil niet in je laatste persoon. Ga je zin in je handen. Ga je zin in je handen. De volgende periode is Marke Menur op de wereld. Dat had je dan niet goed te weten kletsen. Geweest je Marke Menur goed te weten klachten. Een jaar of nee, gaan naar de spirit. Naar de weg en naar de gaan we naar even die teun. Jullie gaan we naar even die niet. Een heuvel moet je tegen. En ze willen ook goed daarop zijn. Er is een krioog uit Garken. Er is nog een lange dag zin en niet zo goed. En die... Wel en ze... De... In die idee. Wel en heuvel dat je haar die malen. Te gunnen. Gret je haar malig te gunnen aan een naiver die slaatje een nanen. Die in haar armen. Ze gaan rot de wonjes maken met een schuk te huilillen. Te huilillen. Maar goed met haar zoals we niet er aan mijn prijs, maar haar kopperig als een huil nader gaan zo. Als ze wil teunen, maar vechtig bio. Ergens de konische kringige. Ergens het gaat te weggen in grachtwit gemiet. Het delen van een mooi natuurlijk gharken die een gachtwitteren. Eigen is een gedetje van de schaar. Samen haar kummerschuur is niet in de wonste huurlille. Hier te niet aan die naterig. Leef ik eigenlijk maar zo'n. Een naar niet. Ze niet moor, samen haar naar niet spiritual. Samen wonen ze te niet spiritual. Samen wonen ze te huvel spiritual. Samen haar te een kroonig kachinachtje die dieur aan haar spirit. Er is gesuul, schuurig spiritual. Een hek is een naver. Als een goede kale haar die dieur aan haar. Een gedetje, ik heb de walgas niet geklapt daarin. Niet nog aan de hand, dat is een nunje. Er is een wil, wil tronsje, ik een nunje kan aterig. Ik een goed nunje kan aterig. Nee, ik goed te nunje kan aterig. Er wil koeienschielig gedetje aan de zo, aan de spirit nunje kan aterig. Tegen is het weer geen nunje. 
I think uh, I had better turn into the other language again and try and uh, point out with the word of God how it is true concerning a man a sinner and uh, I believe in whatever circumstances he is born and brought up that man as a sinner by nature in his unregenerate state is someone without faith that is without the faith that is saving faith and that is the faith we are dealing with here tonight an unregenerate sinner is a sinner without saving faith not a sinner without great saving faith not a sinner without a, a large measure of the light and understanding and of the exploits to boast of in his life uh, that may accompany strong saving faith no he is a person without faith without faith and that faithlessness manifests itself more in some than in others for instance it shows itself in atheism in a denial of God we read that the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God God is not in all his thoughts the fool the psalmist says in Psalm 14 at the very beginning he says that the fool hath said in his heart there is no God the transgressions he says elsewhere of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes would you credit any of these with faith saving faith no, it doesn't speak about what their uh, upbringing was like what their outward lives were like what is stressed is the inner condition of their heart in their attitude Godward and there is a denial of God that is basic to the very nature of sin it would deny God they have belied the Lord Jeremiah says and said it is not he neither shall evil come upon us when men are hardened in sin and persist in rebellion against God that rebellion is based in large part upon their unbelief when I read or hear God's threatenings against their sins they do not believe them if they truly believed them they would pay heed and take fright and repent in terror of God's judgments even if their repentance were merely a natural repentance but they do not believe and they say how does God know the psalmist asks in Psalm 73 and is there knowledge in the most high 
Behold ye despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, and work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Who, I say, asks, who hath believed? I'll report. Unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And it is said of the Lord, when he had appeared in passion, fulfilling the messianic promises with which his people were so familiar, amongst whom he came, that he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. If I have told you, he said on another occasion, earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? He went about during his public ministry, establishing the truth of his claims and of his teaching through the performing of miracles, wondrous works that were intended to prove openly the truth of his teaching and his claims. So he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. And because he said, I tell you the truth. Have you ever thought of that simple word of Christ? Because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God, heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. That is the nature of unbelief. Godlessness. A refusal to believe his truth no matter how wondrously it is proven and established before men's eyes as well as in their ears men will not believe that is the natural man he is a faithless man now this faith in order to, to, to be brief what, what is it? What exactly is the nature of this faith that God commends and indeed demands and upon which our salvation is so totally dependent that without it there is no salvation? Now in the passing I would emphasize that further simple point. Apart from this faith, there is no salvation. It doesn't matter what religion or creed people profess and cling on to with the strongest conviction, even with the desperation of soul in view of eternity and the false gods that they worship, no matter how sincerely 
and mightily men cling to them. It remains true according to divine revelation that there is no salvation apart from this faith. Now the Bible itself warns us against counterfeits of this faith, faiths that have a kind of similarity to this faith. And as you know and have heard often enough, mixtures of error and truth are far more dangerous to us than what is totally error and untruth. Even a little mixture of truth with error makes it almost infinitely more dangerous to us. And there is a phase that we can describe as historical faith. Historical faith. Now that does not mean at all that people by means of historical faith accept only the history that is written in the Bible. They might accept for what is moral as well as what is pure history and accept it as far as they know as truth. What it means is, is that when they read the Bible or consider anything that they have ever read in the Bible, it is to them like the reading of any book that they accept to be authentic. For example, like any history book. They take it to be truth as truth was known and presented by a particular historian. They take the Bible in the same way. Credit the author or author of any particular part of it with having written the truth. That is historical faith merely. Doesn't mean that it's saving everybody who has saving faith credits the authors of the scriptures with having written truth, but they have far more than that in their faith. There is also a miraculous faith, a faith that en enabled people to be persuaded in their own minds either that a miracle could be performed for themselves by God and perhaps possibly by God through some fellow man, or else that a miracle could be performed by themselves. Something extraordinary that they were called upon to do, and they were able to believe that God would enable them to do what otherwise would be impossible. That is miraculous faith. It need not be saving faith. There is an element of the miraculous in saving faith. It enables you to believe that you can conquer death, trusting in God. But of itself, the miraculous faith of which I spoke is not sufficient. And you remember how, even in the chapter we read, there would appear to have been such as were healed, in this case of leprosy, by the Lord, they came to him. They exercised a kind of faith. He healed them. But there is no very positive evidence that their faith was a saving faith. 
And then the Bible warns us and the Lord Jesus himself warns us against what we can call a temporal faith. A faith exercised by some on hearing the gospel that made them appear to receive the word not only believingly but gladly rejoiced at the message of salvation responded to it apparently with thankfulness of heart for something that they had received through the message of the gospel and what else could you receive through the gospel but salvation and so it appeared that these people had faith, saving faith but their faith was temporal now one of the doubles in that connection is this that the Lord says that when uh, persecution came because of the word their faith was proved to be what it was when persecution came because of the word it was disclosed that their faith was not saving faith at all but the difficulty in connection with it is this is there any guarantee in the Bible that that faith will be exposed for what it is always in this life is it not possible that someone can continue with that defective faith to the point of death and never be discovered either to themselves or to others until it is too late I think it is why shouldn't it be why shouldn't someone with a temporal faith live in that faith until say tomorrow night and then be taken away by God nothing occurred to show that their faith was defective to themselves or to anyone else till it was too late I say these things by way of warning now what about saving faith saving faith well first of all in, there is this truth regarding saving faith that I think all who have it are able to understand in some measure that saving faith is something that is not simple as when you say I believe such and such a proposition to be truth meaning that you give your mental assent to a proposition as truth I think all who are saved know in themselves that saving faith is far more than that kind of mental ascent. That's the sort of thing you can give to any piece of writing if you so wish. You can say you can be persuaded mentally or intellectually such and such is true, therefore I believe it. You can treat the gospel in the same way. Such and such is true. The Bible from beginning to end is true. Therefore I believe it. It has affected only your mental grasp of the Bible. Your mental attitude. And all of us know surely that our intellects, our mentality is only a very small part of our personalities 
the truth regarding saving faith is that it affects all of our personality. It is not confined to any one department of your psychological makeup or your soul. It is something that bears upon all of your soul. And therefore, we have to point out that there are various aspects of saving faith, various elements in it, and there is certainly an intellectual element in it, meaning that there is a knowledge included in the grace of saving faith. I do not pretend to be able to explain even to my own satisfaction, let alone to use the nature of saving faith. Uh, but when I say that there is knowledge involved in saving faith, I must point out that I mean by that a soul knowledge, a spiritual knowledge. Christ said about his own word, the word or the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. There is a spirit in the word of God. There is life in the word of God. And the natural man without saving faith has no personal understanding of the spirit and life, that is the essence of the word of God. He can have a vast knowledge and a vast natural understanding about what is written and in fact of everything that is written. I suppose it is possible for God to give a natural faithless man a talent of memory, a photographic memory so that he could learn perhaps after a long time the whole of the Bible to the point where he would be able to repeat it word for word from beginning to end. I don't see why I should limit God by saying that he cannot give that natural talent to any man. I believe he can if he's always and that man therefore could quote every word of the Bible from beginning to end. He might have a strong enough talent to go into the history of the Bible, to give you a biography of every man who had a hand in the producing of the Bible. He might be able to tell you the history of the Bible from the time Moses began to write the Bible. He might remain totally devoid of the knowledge that is spiritual, the knowledge that corresponds in its nature to the truth which it knows, in its, in its essential nature, which I said is spirit and life. The natural man does not have that knowledge. The natural man cannot attain while he remains a natural man to that knowledge. He is utterly devoid of it. There is lacking in his soul the capacity to receive within himself 
what is of the essence of the knowledge that God imparts to us in his word. There is an intellectual side to saving faith then. And then there is an emotional side and it is very difficult to distinguish between the former and uh, the emotional, that is between the intellectual and the emotional. I think perhaps uh, one way of seeing something that something different at least I was going to say additional but it is more correct to say something different in the emotional uh, side of saving faith uh, in this way that one becomes involved involved with what he knows your soul becomes involved when you have saving faith with what you know, what you have come to understand of truth. In other words, it is not now something objective to you, something out with yourself that you can study in that sense from an outside viewpoint so that you learn more and more of it. There is in faith an emotional side that involves your own soul in what you know. The revelation you have through the spiritual knowledge of faith of yourself becomes alive to your soul and in your soul. See, there is an experiment. I think that possibly the word experimental indicates clearly the difference, the crucial difference between someone who has faith and someone who has not. This involvement of the soul through saving faith with the knowledge that saving faith leads you into through the word of God, it has become something personal to yourself. When you read in the Bible about man's fall and sinnership, his guilt and condemnation, and the power of sin within him, warring against God and the Spirit, lusting it. <coughs> what do you see? You see yourself, not someone else, not someone foreign to your understanding and to your experience, but you see yourself, as in a mirror. And when you read about God, you discover someone who has to do with you as no one else has to do with you, and with whom you have to do as you have to do with no one else. You have discovered God to be not only someone out there, but someone in here, someone from whose presence you can never go, where you to ascend up into heaven or go down into hell, you know. Now, because you are saving faith, that you can never depart from God's presence. And you have discovered God as someone who is holy, who is the very revisionist nature of what you are in your nature. One whose holiness is such that he cannot look upon the pollution of your nature without 
hatred aroused in his being against you know that what you have the corruption that is ingrained in you is that one thing that is abominable to God you have become involved with the truth it has become part of you it is within you as a power bringing into your conscious experience the truth concerning yourself and also into your conscious experience the truth concerning God but blessed be his name saving faith also brings your soul into a conscious experience of God in Christ that there is a saviour for sinners who is God and who is man and who has reconciled us to God and then there is the volitional aspect of saving faith the volitional aspect meaning that there is in your soul through the knowledge of the truth into which saving faith has led you an influence that draws forth your soul not unwillingly or reluctantly or even grudgingly as you used to feel when confronted with the call of God but you are made willing your soul goes out to God in Christ your soul longs to lay hold upon God in Christ your soul feels so influenced by the call of God in Christ that there is nothing that you yearn for and long for more than fuller discoveries of God in Christ so that you can place more and more of your confidence in God as he is revealed in Christ you have been made willing in a day of his power and that willingness is inherent in the exercise of your saving faith now I can well imagine someone being present here tonight who has saving faith and who is thinking to themselves you almost persuaded me that I had it but now you have gone beyond what I can follow I have no assurance no assurance that I have trusted in Christ well for your soul's encouragement I ask you is there anyone there to whom you would commit your soul in trust with any confidence tonight other than Christ is there a sneaking suspicion governing your spirit and attitude to the gospel that there might be some other savior in whom you ought to put your trust before you commit yourself to Christ or is the case that there is an assurance in your heart that there is salvation in none other that there is none other name given under heaven amongst men 
whereby you must be saved but the name of Christ. Is that your conviction? Has the word of God by the power of God's spirit so persuaded you of the truth of God's testimony concerning his son as the one only savior of the lost that you refuse with total determination and fixedness of purpose that never shall you rely on anyone else for your salvation that there is pain in your soul as it were crying out for strength to enable you to trust in Christ alone for your salvation well I would say that you have been made willing willing the Holy Spirit of God begins and continues to come Vict those who have faith of their sin and misery they have no soundness in them and enlightening their minds in the knowledge of Christ and renews their will persuades he persuades us he persuades us intellectually by the spiritual light that he gives us from the word of God of Christ's ability to save to the uttermost and he enables us not so much or strictly by the light in our understandings but he enables us by the renewing of our wills enables us to do what he enables us to embrace Jesus Christ to reject every false Christ and every false prophet and every false word and he enables us to embrace Christ as he is freely offered to us in the gospel these are aspects of saving faith and uh, I wish to say a little now upon the fact that there are degrees of saving faith which I have hinted at already when I mentioned that there might be someone present here who felt that they were being led into the assurance that they had saving faith but at a certain point they became less convinced they began to feel after all there is something missing in my experience well my dear friend I must say to you that there is a sense in which there is something missing in my experience and in the experience of every one of us because all who have been given saving faith they have had quickened within their soul something that has to grow it has to grow it has to develop just as surely as the life 
given to you in the new birth. Of what you can see here, an illustration in the case of a babe born in sound health, a perfect babe, but far, far removed from being a perfect man. But the perfect man shall appear. I mean, by that, the soundly healthy man shall appear in due course. Why? Because it is in the nature of the babe being sound and healthy, to grow and develop symmetrically, not monstrously, but symmetrically. And it is in the nature of the new birth, or those who have been blessed with the new birth, to grow and develop symmetrically. And along with all the other graces that grow in their soul, such as hope and love, there is one that has, in a very true sense, the preeminence, and that is the grace of faith. It must grow. I think that is that is taught in the Bible. It must grow, or nothing else will grow. It seems that the Bible makes the other graces to depend, in a sense, upon the faith that is saving. I think one justification for calling it saving faith is that very thing, that it is like a root upon and out of which grows all the other graces that transform a man or a woman into the likeness of Christ. It needs faith, saving faith, and inevitably where it has been quickened it will grow. You must grow. The faith of the oldest saint in the house tonight has to grow still, and it shall continue to grow until it is transformed into sight. And that is when they have left this life forever behind. Faith is variable in its degrees. Now I am going to read to you some quotations from men in whom the Church of God in our country, from a generation of men, men who lived during a period in our churches, in our nation's history, when uh, spiritual power was manifest in the teachings of those who were spiritual leaders in the nation. Richard Sips, for example, says that the little finger lives the same life as the hand or as the foot does. So a weak Christian who has little grace lives by the same faith in Christ in glory as well as the strongest believer. Downham says, a small drop of water is as well and truly water as the whole ocean. A little spark is as true fire, both in respect of sub substance and quality, 
as well as a mighty flame. A little man is as truly a man as a great giant, and so a little faith is as true faith as great faith. Trapp says, now listen to this, some of the language obviously will be archaic in, in, in our ears, but they're worth listening to. A reed shaken with the wind is regarded as very contemptible at best. How much more when it is bruised? The wick of a candle is little worth, and yet less when it comes to smoke, as yielding neither light nor heat, but only stink and annoyance, such as men cannot bear but tread of. So doth not God, who hath a singular sagacity and can soon resent the least provocation, yet the bruised reed he will not break, and the smoking flax he will not quench, no, the very pantings, anxieties, and dissatisfactions in the matter of grace spring from the truth of grace and are such as God highly esteems and that is so unlike what is very common thinking about faith in our own generation. If you have faith according to the estimation of many in our generation you must be like Abraham or Moses or David or Peter or Paul or else you're lost. Or at least you must have absolute certainty yourself that you are a child of God. Otherwise you have no right to claim to have any hope for eternity. Watson says that although the pearl of faith be small, it shines gloriously in God's eye. A goldsmith values filings of gold that little spark in that smoking flux is a beam of God's own glory. The greatest grace was once but as a grain of mustard seed. The oak was once an acorn. Think of that natural illustration. The oak was once an acorn. Abraham's faith was once in its infancy. You pray then with the apostles, Lord, increase my faith. May God bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. Eternal one, we ask thee to bless each and all of thy believing people here this night. We thank thee that thou art full of pity, that thou art full of tender compassion, and therefore thy people are kept safe. They are kept safe in the midst of doubt and of fears. We bless thee that thou dost promise to lead them and to keep them as they go on in their weakness and frailty along life's way.
that they shall be kept by thy power through faith unto salvation. Without thee, again, that the weakest faith, that is saving faith, lays hold on thy strength, and therefore shall be as victorious as the strongest at the last. Without thee, that thy people died in faith, and were never disappointed. We pray that thou wouldst pardon the sins of our holy things, and the glory shall be thine forever. Amen. <coughs> we shall conclude by singing verses in Psalm 106 and verse 10. Psalm 106, verse 10. Alive in he who Christ and fuer goes to live for the fame. So live in I can meet on a hood of the sheet could train. As well as his skin escort and had an unfeeling on you pure.
Kraviyes, Kohomanus Spiritinae, Malerivula, Amen.